here. Glad to be here on this Wednesday evening. Um, looking forward to the service. I want to thank Pastor Himes for allowing me the opportunity to preach. I never want to take that lightly. It's a big deal, and I'm thankful for it. I'm going to make one more trip over here, though, because I've only got one hand to carry water, and I'm going to come back now. I do love this church. I have not been here for a lot of services or um, been around a lot, but it play, has played a significant role in my life and another way with uh, my wife, Samantha, having grown up here for a lot of her life and being around the people here and uh, being influenced by the church. And I remember, um, I feel like I have to tell this story that I'm here. The first time that um, me and my wife were dating officially, we were friends for a while, just friends. And then when I asked her to officially be my girlfriend and we began dating, it was here at this church. Um, it's about a four and a half hour drive from where my parents live in Decatur, Texas. But on this New Year's Eve Sunday morning, I woke up and I was planning to go to my home church that morning and then drive through the afternoon to make it here for the evening service and then surprise her and then be able to bring her flowers and ask her to be my girlfriend and all of that. Had it all planned out. Woke up that morning to an ice storm in Texas. The roads were completely covered in ice, even so much so that my church in Decatur had canceled services. We had no services that day because of the ice, but I was determined to make it here to Midland, Texas, because I had already planned, I had already bought the flowers, I had done everything in advance to, to make this happen on this New Year's Eve Sunday. So I left my house at about, um, I'd say about 10 in the morning, uh, got going there from my house, and the roads were covered in ice. I have a truck that I was driving, but it does not have four-wheel drive, so it's even worse than a car, um, if you can understand that. Uh, so I was slipping and sliding my way down the roads. Long story short, I drove the interstate down that today we drove going 75 to 80 miles per hour and that day I drove about 30 miles per hour the entire way here. Instead of making it here in four and a half hours it was about nine hours and on the trip I counted over 20 cars or semis in the ditch on the side of the road on my journey but somehow I made it here the Lord brought me here safely and it was at this church that we uh, started our relationship there and then we uh finished that dating relationship with getting married here, and that was a sweet time about three years ago. We were able to get married at this church. Just lots of amazing memories. My, my mind was just filled with memories as we walked in here tonight, and um, lots of great memories here. And I'm excited to be back and excited to preach to you tonight. So we're going to be in Psalm 107. Uh, it's going to be our passage for this evening that we're going to be preaching out of. Psalm chapter 107. We're going to begin our passage in verse 23, but I want to give just a little bit of context to where we're going to be before we get there to verse 23. Uh, many of you would know uh, from reading the Psalms that most of the time when a Psalm was written, it all goes together. Uh, it fits together. It, it's one theme. It's one uh, uh, thing that the psalmist is writing about, and it's the same with this one. Uh, so we can't just skip to verse 23 without knowing what's coming before it. And it is continuing the theme, and the theme is what is uh, repeated from verse 1. Verse 1 says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And that verse is repeated throughout the chapter, again in verse number 8, and then again in verse number 15, and again in verse 21, and then we get into our passage in verse 23. But it splits up into those three different sections, and he's really trying to get the people that he's writing to uh, this psalm to understand the importance of giving thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The redeemed of the Lord should say so. 
that he is good, that he is great, that his mercy is amazing, and he has redeemed us. In the, the first section there that the psalmist is talking about, he's talking about people who have wandered in the wilderness, specifically speaking of Israel, who wandered through the wilderness in their time, and God led them through. God gave them direction through the wilderness times. And then he says, oh, that men would praise the Lord from bringing them and leading them through the wilderness. God is the only one, the only one who can lead us through life. Uh, many times we're lost in sin. We're lost in, as people, as humans. We can't get to heaven on our own, and he has to give us that direction. And oh, that we would praise God for his deliverance and his direction in our lives and salvation, and then continuing after we get saved, he leads us through in our lives, and we should praise God for his leading and for his direction. The next, the next two scenarios that are going to be given are not quite as encouraging and as great as salvation because the next section is a group of people who are in bondage, uh, specifically the nation of Israel who are in bondage because of their rebellion against God. They had rebelled against God and now they're in chains, they're locked up, but then they turn to the Lord and he delivers them. And oh, that's a wonderful thing as well. They should have praised God, but we as well can probably testify to the fact that we at one time have messed up. We've, we've been in rebellion against God. We, we've gone the wrong direction. We've gone the wrong way. We've turned around and God has welcomed us back and broken those chains of sin that have bound us and we can praise him for that. The next section of scripture that they are to praise God for is another people who have rebelled. Uh, and this time they are in verse number 17, fools. Anybody testify that they've been a little foolish at one time in their life? done something or made a decision against God that was foolish, and God is going to judge for that. But still, we can turn back to God, and God will deliver us, just as he did then. And oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his mercy, for all of those scenarios, for those situations. That's the first sections. But then our passage is in verse number 23. And now those things that we talked about are great opportunities and reasons to praise God. He is merciful, he is faithful, and he is forgiving. Those are situations that probably most of us in this room could place ourselves into. That we could say, yeah, I was lost in my sin. God gave me direction. God leads me every day through my life. I've messed up. I've been a fool. I've sinned against God and rebelled. But as we get to our passage in verse 23, I'd like to submit to you tonight that maybe not all of us have gone through this reason to praise God in verse number 23. So we begin reading there in verse number 23. It says, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man or at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. The title of the, the message for you tonight is Launch Out Into the Deep. Launch Out Into the Deep. Let's pray and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you've done for us, allowing us to be here, as already has been mentioned, with these uh, great people at this church. Lord, I'm just thankful for the opportunity, thankful to be here. Pray you bless this time we have together to open your word. Pray that you would use me, Lord, in a mighty way. You'd hide me behind the cross, give me the words to say, 
Um, help me to think clearly and speak clearly so that I could be understood, but not so that my words can be understood, but that your word, your powerful word, would shine forth into our hearts and it would convict us and it would show us what we need to change and how we need to live because of your word. And then I pray, amen. So I've got to give a little bit of a, a preface before I, I start off with this illustration because um, it's a little bit stolen from somebody. It's, this is kind of like a, a, a side note at the beginning, like in a paper you have to write and you have to cite your sources. This is me citing the source. It's from a preacher at Heartland about five or six years ago. I heard this illustration. I've adapted it some, so it's partly mine, but I've got to give that side note. I can't just take full credit for it. So imagine with me a um, just imaginary... I said imagine with me something imaginary, and that doesn't make sense. But imagine with me a scenario in which we're in church and we're having a praise service. People are standing up all over the auditorium. They're raising their hands and they're praising God for things that he's done. Have you ever been in that situation and been a little bit jealous of somebody else's testimony? I know I found myself there before where someone's led someone to Christ. Someone has seen God work in a miraculous and an amazing way in their life. And you're like, man... I wish I could have a testimony like that. I wish I could have God work that way in my life. So I want you to imagine with me this scenario. We're in a service. We're having this praise service. And somebody sitting here down here on the, uh, your right-hand side. And they raise their hand to give a testimony. This guy says, I want to give a testimony. My name is Jerry. I was working hard out in the field today. It was hot. It was really hot. The sun was bearing down on me. I was getting tired. I couldn't take it any longer. I just prayed that God would give me some sort of relief from the heat of my adversity that I was facing. And then God delivered a cloud to be over the sun to deliver me from the heat of the adversity that I was facing. And I just want to praise God for that cloud that came and covered the sun. Then there's a group of people sitting over here on this side, three young men who are sitting together, and they want to stand up and give a testimony together. And their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they say... We want to give a testimony from a time when God delivered us from the heat of our adversity. You see, we were trying to serve God, and then they made some rules that we had to bow down to this image. The king threw us into this fiery furnace. They they heated it way hotter than had ever been heated. The people who threw us in died. There was a fourth man in the fire like the Son of God, and we were delivered from the heat of our adversity. And we just want to praise God that he delivered us from the heat of our adversity. What a blessing. They praised God for that. If you can imagine with me, there's someone else, a dear elderly lady sitting over here on this side, and she's sitting down. She raises her hand, and she wants to give a testimony, and she says, well, I've got this neighbor that um, I've been trying to witness to her. I've been trying to get closer to her, to get to know her a little bit, um, but I haven't been able to find a way in. But I've been praying that God would give me some connection to, to, to talk to her. And she's got this dog named Fifi. Uh, Fifi was her favorite dog. She loved the dog. She came to me one day and said, hey, would you pray for my dog, Fifi? Fifi ran away, and, and we, really, we really want him to come back. Can you please pray for my dog? <sighs> Hold on. I messed it up. We're going to have to go back. I had a cat named Fifi. There we go. I had a cat named Fifi that, ra- that ran away. Can you please pray for my cat that Fifi would come back? Sorry, I messed that up. You're going to have to follow along with me. It's a cat, just so everybody's clear. My cat, Fifi, ran away. Please pray. So she prayed for her cat. I prayed. The cat came back. I just want to praise God that he brought the cat back to my neighbor, gave me an opportunity to witness to her, all of that good stuff. Just want to praise the Lord for answering that prayer. Then there's someone on the other side. He wants to give a testimony, and his name is Daniel. 
This is how it connects. That's why I had to be a cat, not a dog. So um, he says, I also have a cat testimony. I was thrown into a den of lions. I prayed that God would close their mouths and protect me, and he protected me and helped me be safe the entire night with the lions in the den of lions. And I just want to praise God for that. Those testimonies are, are a little bit different. If you can see that, there's, there's God working in a miraculous way. God is working in both ways. Don't, don't get me wrong. Whatever testimony that you have to praise God is a wonderful and amazing thing. But have you ever thought, why doesn't God work in my life as he does in Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's life or in Daniel's life or the people in the Bible or other people in our church? Why, why doesn't God work in my life the same way? Why, God, why doesn't God do such miraculous and amazing and wonderful things for me? Or maybe you would even ask the question, how can I experience that? How can I experience God working in an amazing way so that I can have a testimony to praise God in an amazing way? And I believe the psalmist is sharing with us in this passage how we can have an opportunity to have an amazing testimony of God working in our lives. Verse number 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. He's literally referring to those who would be sailors, those who would go and do business, who had business in the sea, in the ocean. They would go on their ships and they would not just go on the ocean for the purpose of leisure. Uh, these men in the Bible times, they, well, they didn't have the cruise industry back then. They weren't going out for fun. They weren't going out just to, to go on a nice fishing trip. No, these men were going out to do business in great waters. They didn't have radars to see when the next big storm was passing through. These men, these sailors who would go out, these mariners who would have business in these great waters, had to step out, had to launch out into the water not knowing what was coming. They didn't have the next seven-day forecast. They didn't know what was going to come next. They just had to launch out. They just had to go. They just had to do the business that they had been called to do. They had been called to do this business and they had to do it. They just had to launch out. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know if there was a storm. Every single time that these sailors would launch out into the water, there was a risk of death. That's just the reality of what they were facing. Uh, the storm could come up suddenly and overtake their boat and they did not know what was going to happen. For us today, if we would compare it to us, it would be someone who has the calling and the purpose for God. Now, we would probably first of all think of missionaries and, and pastors and people like that who have the calling of God on their life to serve Him in full-time Christian service or to preach, and that is true. They have that calling to launch out and to serve God in that way. Some in this room would have that calling. I have that calling on my life. But I would submit to you tonight that every single one of us sitting in here who knows the Lord as our Savior, who's a child of God, has a calling from God. There, there's the general calling of just the simple fact of surrendering yourself of laying yourself down on the altar, of taking up your cross and surrendering all of your own desires, everything that you would have planned for your life and giving those over to God. That is what he calls each of us to do. But I also say that no matter what your profession is, no matter what you do every day, God has a specific calling for your life. There's something specific that he wants you to do. Now it may look like or it may be something a little bit different. It may be as an electrician. It may be working in the oil field. It may be a factory worker, a banker, a plumber, it may just be a retired person. 
It may look like that for you, but that could be God's specific calling for your life in this church. It may be serving on a bus route or singing in the choir or teaching a Sunday school class or taking up the offering, helping with projects around the church, being a prayer warrior, praying for others, being an encouragement to others. There's a specific calling and a specific ministry that God wants you to have, that he wants you to do. There's something that God wants you to do. Every child of God is given a calling and a purpose, and to fully commit to that, whatever that calling is, whether it's being a preacher, whether it's taking a Sunday school class, whether it's joining the choir, whether it's working every single day, being a witness at your job, it takes launching out into the deep. That's what it takes. To, to fulfill God's calling on your life, to do what God has called you to do, you're going to have to launch out into the deep. You're going to have to do some business in great waters. God's calling for your life is business in great waters. What God has for you and what he wants you to do is a great business that he is calling you to do. And we can compare ourselves to the sailors in, those, in that way. Those sailors who launch out into the deep and take that risk, they are the ones who see the works of the Lord. In verse number 24, it says, These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. If we stop and would just think about the ocean and the sea for a moment, you're going to witness and see a lot of different things in the ocean than you would on the land. Now, there's lots of risk involved with launching out into the ocean, but those sailors who are able to go out into the ocean are going to see things that people on the land would never see. The, the beauty of the ocean, the waves just tossing and tossing, the sunset on the, the horizon in the distance on the ocean just setting. That would be so beautiful to see the sea life. Imagine just a humpback whale surfacing and those sailors being able to see that. Nobody on the land is seeing that. They're seeing things that are amazing or wonderful works and creations of God that no one else is seeing because they launched out into the deep, because they're out there seeing God working in a different way than those who are on the land would see. The Christian who takes the step of faith and launches out into the deep of their calling and God's calling for their life are going to see God working in a different way. When you launch out for God, when you fully surrender yourself for God, when you do what God is calling you to do in your life, whatever that may be, you are going to see God working differently than if you didn't. You've got to launch out, though. If you stay on the land, you're not going to see him work in the same way. God works on the land. He does. He, he works in people's lives who accept him as their savior, who begin sa at salvation and have that relationship with him. He works in forgiveness. He, he works in mercy, but he works differently in those who launch out to fulfill God's calling for their lives. They, they, they're going to see God work in a completely different way when they launch out into the deep is just completely different. Those who launch out to fulfill God's purpose and calling for their life will see him work in ways that people who stay on the land will never see. If you're here tonight and you're wondering, why don't I see God working in my life? How can I accomplish that? Why do others have such amazing testimonies? Why is God not doing miraculous things? Why am I not seeing people saved? Why am I not uh, uh, having this amazing testimony and being able to praise God for all of these things? It could be that you've not launched out. It could be that you're not fully surrendered to what God is calling you to do for how God is calling you to live in your everyday life. That is what can hold Christians back. It's, it's really could be compared to a comfort zone. The land is comfortable. You know, it's dangerous out there in the ocean. But on the land, storms aren't so bad. You, you can hide from them. You can, you can stay away from the risk of the waves and the risk of death with the ocean. It's very comfortable on the land. But God works differently out in the ocean when people launch out into the deep for him. The ones who do business in great waters and go down into the sea, 
Those are the ones who see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. But what does that look like? It makes perfect sense right now. At this point in the passage, we could just say, well, why wouldn't everyone launch out into the deep? I mean, there's business to do. God's calling is calling us to do great things for him. And there's amazing things to be seen. There's amazing ways that God wants to work in our lives. What's the hold back? What, what keeps Christians from launching out? What keeps sailors who would be too afraid to launch out into the deep from launching out? What does it look like when it goes wrong, really, in verse number 25? Verse number 25 in our passage says, For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. This is why people don't launch out into the deep. A storm on the land isn't that big of a problem, but on the ocean, it's a real big problem. It can cause danger really, really quickly. As the storm comes, uh, it's a very vivid uh, picture and imagery that the psalmist is using as the waves would mount up to the ocean, or to the heavens, excuse me. <clears throat> As the storm comes, the, 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 the waves would mount up way up high, higher than we can even imagine in the ocean. And then in between the waves is, is the valley. And that's what the sailors are going through. They're experiencing going all the way to the top of the wave and then all the way down to the bottom of the wave and then all the way back up to the... That's the storm. They're going way up in the air to the heaven, way down <coughs> excuse me, to the depths. That's a scary thing. Those sailors would never know, is this the up and the down that's going to end us? Is this the wave that's going to knock a hole in our boat and we're going to sink to the bottom of the ocean and die here? That's the storm. (coughs) As the waves would toss the boat, the sailors would be tossed. They would begin to get sick. They would begin to stagger back and forth because of the unevenness of the boat and because of the, the tossing of the boat. They would stagger like a drunken man and then it's very significant that it says that they are at their wit's end. The most experienced sailor, the one who had maybe been on the seas for 40, 50, 60 years and had experienced everything that you could experience, the raging storm will still bring them to their wit's end. That, that word there, that phrase wit's end, simply means that their skill and their wisdom had all been swallowed up. Whatever wisdom, whatever skill, whatever abilities that they had gathered to themselves to be able to uh, master the sea, it's swallowed up. It's gone. There's no use for it anymore. There's nothing physically that those sailors can do. They're just at the the liberty of the storm, at the liberty of God controlling the storm. They're at their wit's end. They have no skills or wisdom that can compare to the storm that they're in. Any sailor who does business in great waters will eventually face storms and... The truth about launching into, out into the deep for God is that you're going to run into storms. When you, when you really launch out, when you really surrender to what God has for your life, there's going to be storms that come up. When you, when you surrender yourself, you're opening yourself up to becoming at your wit's end. When, when, all, when all the abilities, when all the skills, when all the things that you've learned in life, they don't come in handy anymore. When there's, there's nowhere else to turn, when there's nothing else to do, You only have one place to turn, and that's to God. But it takes faith to launch out, to know that my wisdom, my abilities, my skills are not going to be able to help me out there. 
I'm not going to be able to control what's going to happen. It's going to make you at your wit's end. Doing business for God in this life will bring you to a place of being tossed up and down with the waves of life and trials. It will bring you down to your lowest. If you decide to launch out for God, you're going to at some point come to the end of your physical ability, to the end of what you can do and what you can try to work in a situation. And that is when God can really work. When there's nothing you can do, when there's no ability you can have to fix a situation, that's when God can work a miracle. That's when God can show himself mighty. And in our passage, God was able to work for the sailors who call out to him. Verse 28, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. The sailors in their darkest and lowest moments turn to God, and in their distresses God delivers them. They cried out to God, and God calmed the storm. He has the power to calm the raging sea. No, no, no matter how big it is, no matter how raging it is, no matter how tossed the sailors would be, he controlled the sea. Then the sailors were glad, and they had peace, and they had quiet. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 30, it says, Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them also exalt, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly and the elders. They could praise God because he had delivered them from their storm. God had done it. They had not done it. There was no ability. There was no wisdom. There was no skill. There was no wit that they could have to calm the storm. God calmed the storm and they had to give him all the praise, all the honor and all the glory. They were able to exalt and praise God publicly in the congregation because they saw him work in the deep. The only way they could see God's wonderful, wonderful works in that way, God working in that amazing and miraculous way, was because they first launched out into the deep. They had faith to take that step. And you, in your life, can see God's wonderful works in that way, in an amazing and in a miraculous way, by launching out into the deep in your life. Have you launched out to surrender to whatever God's will is? Whatever it may be. We won't get into a, a ton of specifics tonight, but you know God's calling. We all know God's specific calling. Have you surrendered to just whatever God would have you to do? Have you surrendered? Have you laid your life down? Each and every day that you live, how that you live, the thing that you do when you wake up in the morning, when you go to sleep, and how you live in between should be surrendered to God. Have you surrendered that? Have you launched out and just living every day for him? And then specifically, for the purpose that he has for you, whatever his future holds, whatever plans he has for you, whatever service he wants you in here at this church, have you surrendered to that? Have you launched out into the deep of what God is calling you to do? If you haven't, you're not going to see God work in the way that you could. You're not going to have the praises that you could have if you had launched out. If you are wishing, if you're desiring, if you're wanting to see God work in an amazing way, we've got to stop sitting comfortably on the land and launch out for God launching out for what he would have us to do. Don't stay in your comfort zone when God is calling you to step out and to do something for him. Witness to that coworker. Be faithful to church. Be faithful to give. Be faithful to give to missions. You can see God work continually in your life by launching out into the deep. You see God working here at this church, at Southwest Baptist Church, if the members would be faithful to launch out into the deep to what God is calling them to do. God wants to do miracles and show his power in this church and in the city and in your life. William Carey said this, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God.
We can only see his wonders and his great working when we launch out into the deep. It's scary. We, we lose control of what we would like to control. It's more comfortable on the land. We could even say in our own minds it's safer on the land. But God is calling you to launch out into the deep. What is God calling you to do? What are you holding back from? What are you holding back from God? What is there in your life? <clears throat> whether it be your future, whether it be something very specific that you are uh, doing every day that you shouldn't do or something that you should be doing that you're not doing, what are you holding back from him? What, what, what are you staying too comfortable on the land with? And you need to give to God and launch out into the deep. Give it up. Because you're not going to see God work in amazing ways like you could until you launch out into the deep. You have to leave behind the comforts of the land and go out in faith to the unknown of what God is calling you to do. You want to have more reason to praise God? You want to see God work in your life and in this church? You have to launch out into the deep for him. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Say a word of prayer at this time, and I think we'll have just a short uh, time of playing the piano and giving you time to... um...